if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. It's eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are rolling on this Thursday, the 25th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2021. We have got so much to do today, including celebrate. We'll celebrate in just a moment, but first, let us start our program as we do each and every day now, and have been for the last few months. We'll continue to do this as long as we have this program. Let's celebrate by... um, giving a little tribute to those who served and to those who love our beloved country, and let's tick off all of the leftists who hate it by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. There you go. That's how we start the program. Okay, now we've got a lot to do today. Coming up on the broadcast in about a half an hour, a little bit less, we're going to be talking with State Representative Nino Vitale. Uh, very much looking forward to talking to him as we celebrate. And he's not going to celebrate. But we are going to celebrate the passage of Senate Bill 22's override. Uh, we know that the bill passed its original vote in the Ohio House and in the Ohio Senate uh, last week. And we know that uh, Governor DeWine, in t- typical dictatorial fashion, vetoed it, saying, nope, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm the only one qualified to determine how Ohioans live in a health crisis or in a perceived crisis or in a pandemic or what have you. I get to make the call. Nobody else does. Um, that didn't sit well with most Ohioans. That didn't sit well with their representatives who said, no, we get to have a say in this as well. So Mike DeWine vetoed it. As expected, and yesterday, both houses, both chambers of the Ohio General Assembly voted to override that veto, and 90 days from now, it will become law. Um, what is Senate Bill 22? Again, we talked with Jack Windsor about this this week. We talked about it, uh, read a few uh, different uh, uh, articles about it. It's not a perfect bill. 
It's not. It does not include sunset clauses for every order given by a governor in a state of health emergency or health crisis as determined by the governor and the Ohio Department of Health. Uh, it requires some cumbersome practices, getting uh, all of the uh, representatives and senators together to vote to uh, end such orders and then vote to extend or to vote to extend such orders. Uh, it does not automatically end mask mandates. It's not a perfect bill. But it's a defeat for Mike DeWine, and that's an important step here. It's a message that lets him and all of his apologists know that we will not be dictated to, that we are free, and you cannot shut down Ohio's economy. You cannot shut down Ohio's businesses. You cannot shut down Ohio's churches. You cannot shut down Ohio's um, schools. You cannot put people out of work. You can't do all of those things without at least giving the people a say. And the people get their say through the representation in the Ohio General Assembly. So that's what it does do. It's a big message. And if it had gone the other way, if it had gone the other way, and they were not able to override this, it would indicate that the majority of Ohioans and its representatives support Mike DeWine's destruction of the state of Ohio. And we're not going to allow that to happen. Representative Nino Vitale did not vote on this yesterday. But he has been one of the strongest critics of Mike DeWine, and strangely, one of the strongest critics of this bill. So where is he on this? We're going to talk to him. I actually scheduled, I actually scheduled the interview with Nino Vitale for today before the override vote yesterday. I didn't know they were going to come in both houses yesterday. Uh, but I scheduled this conversation to see where he is because he has been very critical of this bill, but also critical, as noted, of Mike DeWine. So Nito Vitale is going to explain uh, this from his vantage point coming up at 9.35. Then at 10.10, we're going to talk with Dr. Everett Piper as we do each and every Thursday. Now, so we'll come back to the local story or the state story in just a bit, but I want to go now to a national story. This was just um, so disturbing. I watched uh, Tucker last night, as perhaps you did as well. And it was the first time that I had actually heard the audio. I read a little bit about what Tammy Duckworth had said and Maisie Hirono. But it was the first time I had heard the audio, and I want you to hear the audio now so that you can get a full grasp of the unbelievable, despicable racial discrimination being put forth and practiced by uh, at least two of these um, uh, United States senators, Tammy Duckworth of Minnesota and Maisie Hirono, Crazy Maisie, as she is sometimes known, from Hawaii, literally described their take on the diversity and inclusion of the Joe Biden cabinet by saying they are essentially swearing off of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. The 1964 Civil Rights Act guaranteed, right, that all Americans, that all Americans be treated equally when it comes to employment, when it comes to opportunities, when it comes to housing, when it comes to admissions. All Americans can must be treated equally. Or stated more plainly, that no Americans can be rejected from opportunities of employment, etc., etc., because of their race or their sex or their religious affiliation. It's, it's, you know, obviously one of the most extraordinarily important pieces of legislation that have ever become law in this country. The Civil Rights Act declared that we're all equal, and we cannot be denied opportunities based on our skin color. What Tammy Duckworth... And what Crazy Maisie Hirono said yesterday, or actually earlier this week, in promising 
to veto, or in other words, to not vote for, not officially veto as in an executive, but to not vote for confirmation of any appointees to Biden's federal government if they are straight and white is is just essentially flipping two middle fingers at the Civil Rights Act. The Civil Rights Act says no American, no American, can be denied an opportunity or refused employment based on their race. And they announced publicly that they would do exactly that. They would vote to deny up employment by appointment to people if they were white. Why? Because diversity and inclusion. I want you to listen to this. It's not long. It's a minute, 17 seconds. It covers it in great detail. And then we have something to compare it to. Listen. Tammy Duckworth of Minnesota and Maisie Hirono of Hawaii publicly informed the White House that until the Biden administration puts more people they like in powerful jobs, they will refuse to confirm any white nominees. Quote, I'm a no vote on the floor on all non-diversity nominees, Duckworth said out loud with cameras rolling. I will vote for racial minorities and I will vote for LGBTQ, but anybody else I'm not voting for. Just in case you missed it or unclear on the meaning, Duckworth said this several times. And then Maisie Hirono backed her up. Here's Hirono yesterday on MSNBC. Tammy's position um, is that until she gets a commitment from the White House that there will be more diversity representation in the cabinet and senior White House advisory positions, she will not vote to confirm anyone who does not represent diversity. So this is not about pitting one diversity group against another. I think this is a, a well-articulated, focused position, and I am prepared to join her in that. Do you think the Biden administration has been adequately receptive to your entreaties for more diversity? <laughs> Obviously not. Otherwise, uh, Tammy and I wouldn't be taking our position. But we would you- like to encourage them to do better. So the summary there is obvious. We will not be voting for anyone who is white, who is nominated by Joe Biden for a a senior level or cabinet position until he gets more diversity. In other words, identity politics at play, at its worst worst here, identity matters more than quality. Identification more than qualification. If you meet the right color or ethnic or um, uh, background, then we will consider voting for you. If you are white, out. That's it. Nope. No more white people. That is flat out discrimination. It is completely rejecting the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And as Tucker and Mark Stein talked about last night, I would like to put my own two cents in about this. Why are no Republicans calling for their immediate ouster? If any Republican made public statements saying, We will not vote to confirm any more black or brown or Pacific Islander or whatever nominees put forth by Joe Biden. We will only consider white nominees. They would be gone from the United States Senate, removed immediately. You know it and I know it. And guess what? They should be because that's racist and it's illegal. It's unconstitutional. And it violates the Civil Rights Protection Act. Anybody who would say such a thing. Yet when it is said about white people, 
It is perfectly acceptable. We will vote for no white people until Joe Biden gets a satisfactory amount of diversity and inclusion on his cabinet. Otherwise, we will reject even perfectly qualified white people. They will be rejected on the basis of their whiteness. That is against the law. And not one Republican in that Senate, not any of the great voices uh, 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 for conservatism and constitutionality in the Senate, like Ted Cruz, nor any of the big talkers but slow actors like Lindsey Graham, not even Tom Cotton, not even Josh Hawley. Nobody is calling for Maisie Arono and Tammy Duckworth to be removed from the Senate for their blatant public claim, or a promise rather, not a claim, a promise of racial discrimination. This is how they're going to vote solely based on race. Nobody has made a move. And that is just astounding. Now, that's only part one of that story. Part two of that story is what Duckworth and uh, Hirono were looking for specifically when it comes to inclusion and diversity in the federal government staff is more Asian Americans, more Asian Americans or Pacific Islanders, which of course would then cover Hawaii. So this is their, their stated goal and their stated demand from Joe Biden. We want more Asian Americans nominated to senior levels of government in the Biden administration. And until we get them, we will not vote for a single white person. I'm going to explain to you what's wrong with that, and I'm going to give you a comparison that will probably, well, it may blow your mind. If you're paying attention and you listen to the show, you're relatively well-educated by what we do on this program. Maybe it won't blow your mind, but it's going to, um, it, it's going to raise your eyebrows. How about that? I'll give you that coming up after this time out right here on AM 1420 The Okay, 925 now. I want to uh, finish up on this story, or at least for the time being, and I do want to hear from you as the program goes on at 216-901-0945. So, there's so many ways to tie this to <clears throat> a week ago we had the terrible shooting in atlanta in which uh, a nut job a sexual obsessed individual or sex addict uh decided that the best way obviously just completely out of his mind the best way to deal with his own sex addiction is to go and kill those who tempt him with sex in his mind and these, these were these massage parlors that are oftentimes indeed kind of covers for uh brothels So he decides to go and kill a bunch of sex workers. Now, six of them were Asian out of the eight people that he shot. And so immediately, this, according to the left, meant, well, this is just a rising crime on on, uh, Asians. And it's uh, about Asian hate. And it's because people call it the Wuhan flu and the China flu and all of that nonsense. It had nothing to do with Asians. But it's typical of this. The Asian community in this country is used by the left depending upon what their particular political narrative is in the moment. In other words, when they need Asians to be victims, to be minority victims of white supremacy, they will use them as such. They will put Asians into the category of ethnic or racial minorities like blacks and Latinos, uh, and, you know, p- uh, people of color, Native Americans. They will lump them all together. Asians get to be a part of the victim class when the whole goal is to perpetuate the myth of white supremacy and white uh, privilege, et cetera, et cetera, all at the, at the expense of minorities like Asians, right? 
Then, in including what you just heard, the story I just told you with Tammy Duckworth and uh, Maisie Hirono, Asians and, uh, and Pacific Islanders aren't getting enough representation in federal government. They have to be there for inclusiveness because we have to have a certain percentage of people from all different walks of life and races, ethnicities, genders, and so on and so forth. So they'll use them to be victims when it suits their political purposes. But when Asians aren't being victimized, when Asians are just doing phenomenally wonderful things, then suddenly they're not minorities anymore. They're just like whites. And they enjoy the privileges of white privilege. And we've got to knock them down. You think I'm kidding? At San Francisco's Lowell High School, one of the top public high schools in California, beginning with its 2021 freshman class, Lowell has, is now planning to switch from their merit-based admission system to that of a lottery. Why? Very simple. This phenomenally performing school, recognized four times as a national blue ribbon school, eight times as a California distinguished school, one time as a gold ribbon school, number one ranked in the Western region for the number of advanced placement exams, um, this school's admission policy, when it's merit-based, leads to a massive percentage of Asian students in that school. 60% of the student body is Asian. 18% is white. Just 1.8% is black. And that can't be allowed. This is apparently a problem. And so rather than the merit-based in which students had to test into that school, in which Asians were just killing it, just crushing these tests, and to the point of 60% of the student body going in. And sadly, African Americans, 1.8% of the student body getting in uh, are are black. Um, The Asian American excellence cannot be allowed. That's too white. You add the Asian population of the school to the white population, it's 78% of the school is white or Asian. So they lump Asians in with... Uh, white privilege when they're doing well. They only see them as my, as minorities when they have an opportunity to use them to further expand and perpetuate the myth of white supremacy. According to the Wall Street Journal, the problem is Asian American excellence. One school board commissioner called merit-based admissions racist. The real problem progressives have with Lowell is that too many Asian Americans are passing the entrance exam. Moving on to Fairfax, Virginia, Thomas Jefferson High School, also one of the top-rated public high schools in the country. Thomas Jefferson is dropping their admissions test and debating on how to replace it, perhaps also, also with a lottery. Why? What's the problem? The problem is that 70% of the student body is Asian American. Merit-based systems lead to high performance and success by Asian Americans and white Americans. So we have to get rid of merit-based in the interest of inclusion and diversity and take people because of the color of their skin or the ethnicity they represent and put them in these high-performing schools even if they do not have the academic qualifications to be there. Asians are used by the left every day, depending on the political narrative. They enjoy minority status if white privilege can be blamed, but they are lumped in with white privilege if they are uh, enjoying extreme success. 
It is criminal what the left is doing with racial division and racial identification politics or identity politics in this country. All right, we can respond to that in a bit, but right now we'll get a timeout for our news, and on the flip side of the news, Representative Nino Vitale will join us to talk about the passage of the override of the veto, rather the override of the veto of the passage of Senate Bill 22. That's coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a question for Bob? Hit up the authority message line. Call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216-525-1806. Call the authority message line. All right, 937. We continue on AM 1420. The answer will come back to that story about uh, the promise of Democrats in the United States Senate to engage in racial discrimination when it comes to hiring, and that is literally what they're doing, erasing the 1964 Civil Rights Act, all in favor of inclusion and diversity. We'll come back to that. Let's get into the state of Ohio now. Yesterday was a great day, because yesterday we finally stood up to Governor Mike DeWine, to the extent that we could right now. Um, The General Assembly, I did not know they were going to get votes in both chambers yesterday, but they did in the Ohio House and in the Ohio Senate. They uh, combined Republican-led to... Um, essentially smack the Republican governor, saying enough is enough. We need to take back some of the power of the people. And they voted to override Governor Mike DeWine's veto of Senate Bill number 22. Now, there have been a number of bills that they have put forth in the past that Mike DeWine has either vetoed or threatened to veto, and that's where it ended. This is the first time they've actually gotten it done, so it should be something to celebrate. But not all critics of Governor DeWine are celebrating this passage of the override, including our guest right now, uh, Ohio State Representative Nino Vitale. Mr. Vitale, good to have you back on our program here in Cleveland. How are you? I am uh, not great, but just being honest, not <laughs> happy with the state of affairs. Yeah, I know you're not, and uh, and that's why I wanted to have you on. Um, first of all, to be clear, I could not find a roll call vote to see exactly who voted for and who voted against, but I did. I was told, rather, that you abstained. You did not vote. Is that correct? Uh, I voted against Senate Bill 22, the bill that you stated uh, smacks or reigns in the governor. I you did voted not against vote that, but on in the, the override vote. You didn't vote in the override yesterday. I didn't vote yes or no. That's correct. Okay. Can you tell us why? And and in fact, let me just remind people. Um, you're pretty you're pretty well known for your uh, continual criticism, and in my opinion, accurate criticism of Governor Mike DeWine and everything he has done to us in this. Um, in this lockdown over the past 12 months. Uh, so everybody kind of knows you are very critical of Mike DeWine, and one might think that you would be supportive of something that takes some, maybe not all, but some of his powers away from him. So can you tell us why you voted against the bill, first of all, and then why you abstained yesterday when it came time to override the veto? Okay, uh I'm going to flip that and say instead of what I'm against, I'm what, what I'm for. I took an oath of office to support the Ohio Constitution and the United States Constitution. Uh, I very much ran on a platform of uh, a God-fearing citizen of the state of Ohio uh, and first and foremost uphold God's laws even above man's laws. So that is my perspective on everything, and that's how I approach everything. Right out of the gate, Senate Bill 22 uh, had many good things in it, but at 5.17 p.m., a large amount of text was put into the bill 
and then a large amount of text was taken out of the bill, and the next day at about approximately 1.30, the bill was on the floor last week. Now, the question that people should ask themselves is, for the better part of six or eight weeks, we've all been drummed up and told, get excited, Senate Bill 22 is going to rein in the governor. So why in the dark of night, after 5 o'clock, did they radically change a bill and then vote on it the next day when no one could even find a copy of the bill? Even me as a representative had a difficult time finding the bill. That can you right tell us, can you tell, hold on, sir, liar. hold on, sir, can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that text, what was uh, redacted and what, or not redacted, what was stripped and what was added? Yeah, sure. So the biggest problem that I had when I finally got a hold of it was it said that the House and Senate can make a concurrent resolution to rescind orders of the governor. Well, first of all, the Ohio House and Senate for the last 12 months have always had the powers under Article 2 of the Ohio Constitution to change or rescind the powers of the governor. That does not do anything new. That's smoke and mirrors. For 12 months, this legislature has sat on its hands and allowed the governor to tyrannize the people, take our liberties away, and offend our God-given and constitutional rights. And now they're saying, oh, well, we actually think we have the power to do something about it now. No, you've always had the power to do something. It was the legislature in 1912 that came up with this crazy code that he's using, and all it would take is a simple one-line addition that says any order that the governor promulgates expires after 14 days unless the legislature extends it, period. The bill needs to do nothing more than that one sentence. I, I don't, don't disagree. Let, let, let me, let, let's, let's try to take some of this point by point because I want to get to as much as we can, and I know I'll forget some of the earlier stuff. This doesn't do that, and I agree with you that that would be the better scenario, but it does allow the General Assembly to uh, cancel any order that lasts longer than 30 days. Now, it would require you it to get not. together to vote. It, it, it's it, not it, a sunset. It, it, what does that do, Bob? That does nothing. The, the general legislature, the legislature has always had the ability to do that. We don't. Yeah, we but, didn't need well, to pass yeah, but, the bill. Yeah, but, the, we yeah, but do if that. you, but well, well, hold on a second. Um, correct me because you know this, this is my understanding. Is yeah, you've always had the power to do that, but then he could veto whatever your vote was. This bill would eliminate that. That what the uh, legislature decides if they decide on a on an order that lasts longer 30, than thirty days to cancel that order. Order the governor can't just say, "Too bad, I veto that vote. Uh, I'm going to extend it anyway." You do have the power okay. to stop okay. the governor oh, after hold thirty on, days. Though. I understand, but you didn't let me finish my last point. My last point is this. They passed a bill that says a resolution can overturn a law. There is a hierarchy in case law. The the highest law of the land is the Ohio Constitution. Next is the, the Ohio Revised Code, the actual statutory law. And then a very low level is a resolution, which is not a law and it's not binding. There is the constitutional issue with SB 22 and the new language they tried to put in. Therefore, there is clear case law, and in Article 2, it clearly states laws must be passed. Laws are what are binding on people. Laws are what are binding on the governor as well. But so Senate, the governor Senate Bill 22 can, will be law, and it will allow those resolution <laughs> that, that resolution vote by the General Assembly to stop the governor's order. That, well, we're going to have to disagree on that. So... 
um, because I can give you case law that that uh, you know that 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 that's already been brought up, and resolutions do not have the binding effect of law. And what a judge would simply say is, if the legislature wants to change the power that they gave Dewine in the Ohio Department of Health in 1912, all they need to do is pass a law to do so. A resolution is not going to hold up in court. It's not. So it's a constitutional nightmare, which is why the bill confuses people. And here's the answer. What do we really want to happen? What will really change in our lives in the next day, in the next five days, in the next week or 14 days now that SB 22 has been passed? Will the mask mandate end? No. Will the socialist distancing stop? No. Will you be allowed to go to a county fair without a mask? No. Uh, Will there be high school college, sports, baseball games without restrictions. No. Well, but, but, but Representative Vitale, the, the, point, the point here, you're right about all of those things, but it, the point is that after 90 days go by, if those kinds of orders are still in place, or if new orders like that are given, then the General Assembly will be able to put a stop to it with those votes after but, after 30 days. And that is better than what we have now, is it not? I, yeah, I, I you're guess wrong. what I'm asking is, are you not? Look, I, I would like a more perfect bill as well. I would like sunsets on all of these orders that are given automatically after 14 days. I'm, I agree with you. And I agree with you when you said that this body, the General Assembly, has sat on their hands for 12 months and allowed Mike DeWine and Amy Acton and then his subsequent health directors to destroy this state economically, uh, educationally, uh, religious-wise, all of the things. You and I are, are in lockstep, and that's why I am so disgusted with the Ohio Republican Party for not putting more pressure on the Ohio-led Assembly yeah. okay. to stop this. Right, so I'm great, with Bob. you. But yeah, don't you let me hold on. Hold on. Okay, let me make the point here. Respond. <laughs> but we don't want the 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 you know the perfect to be the enemy of the good, right? We don't no, want. To, no. We don't want. No, there is. We don't want to the way they are. There is no good here. You're trying to find good in something that doesn't have good. There are many attorneys, including the attorneys at the state house, who said very clearly, no orders or rules will automatically expire under this bill. None. The legislature still not automatically expire, but they can be voted into expiration. That's that's always been the case. We have always had that authority. So what makes you think that the legislature is going to come together and pass a resolution when they haven't done anything in 12 months and they've always had the power? There's been a bill sitting out there for months. Considering the fact that there were enough there were enough override votes to pass this thing, I think the odds are pretty good that the legislature and all of those who voted to override will vote to stop the governor's most oppressive policies. No, 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 you're being fooled. The reason they did that? is because those legislators who voted to override, they know darn well this bill does nothing. And the governor even gave them the company salute. I guarantee it. This so bill why, why did, why did, why did you abstain then? Why did you just not vote against it if it's so bad? Well, first of all, there was a break, and I had to go. Um, so I, I wasn't, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't say when this vote was going to happen. Uh, so I, I couldn't be there. But there's no purpose well, 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 for me well, well, to be there. Something as important as this, why would you not make sure that you could be there? I mean, this is pretty I already important voted deal. against I would, the abs, bill. Ab, absent, you know, and, and ab, I, that shocks me That's you know that, that one of our representatives voted, wouldn't be there for this vote. I, was, I am clearly on record both in my social media areas and voting against the bill last week that this bill does nothing. You are trying to find something in a bill that does nothing, and there are several attorneys that agree with me as well.
All right, so you so you did, but, so you you were on the record for the original no vote. You didn't want to go on the record with a no vote of the override. Is that accurate? I, I, I there's no point. Well, sure, there's a point. Everybody else thought there was a point. They were there to vote. So I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. But why weren't you there? But and that, that's fine. I don't want to. I don't want to die on that hill. Here's what I do want to ask you though. Do you believe that Mike DeWine should be reelected, re- Representative Vitale? Absolutely not. Okay. The reason I asked that should be obvious. If we had not, meaning we the people through you, our elected representatives, um, defeated him on this with this override, it is a massive shot in the arm to his re-election chances. Mike DeWine gets a victory here because the narrative is in the media that the people agree with Mike DeWine. The people's representatives wouldn't even override his veto. He knows best how to deal with uh, pandemics and health crisis, crises, etc., etc. He needed to be defeated here. And if you want him to be gone as a, uh, you know, as an incumbent candidate, if you want to stop his re-election, you have to defeat this guy on things like You're this. talking politics and I'm talking policy. See. No, okay, I'm not interested in representative, politics in a No, bill. Representative Vitale, with all due respect, how are they not linked? You just said, politically, you do not want him to be reelected. The way you do that is through stopping his bad policies. How do you not join Because I, I swore an oath to uphold the Ohio Constitution, which this bill does not do. It's against the Ohio Constitution, in my opinion, and it also doesn't do anything. It's a political theater. It's kabuki theater. But what you, are, but what you are doing by not supporting the passage of that bill is leading to the re-election of a man who violates the Ohio Constitution on a daily basis. I mean, you look. So you want me to violate the con- So you want me to violate my oath of office? So that he gets booted out. That's politics and gameplay, and I don't do that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that at all. First of all, I think it's very, very debatable that this bill is unconstitutional. We can have a big old debate about that with constitutional attorneys until the cows come home, and that's fine. But it is debatable. Yep. What is not debatable is that, th- is that this governor has violated all of our constitutional rights for the last 12 months, and it should be incumbent yep. upon all of those who have a chance to get rid of this guy to do so on the basis of okay, constitutional so then answer the simple question. What Now that we woke up this morning and Senate Bill 22 has been passed, yeah. what is going to change about any of his orders or any of the oppressive things that have been put on these well, citizens? As I of said, this morning nothing will change. 90 days from now, right. all of those things can change if the, if the General Assembly does its job. And that's what we didn't have before the passage of SB 22. And why do you think the General Assembly is going to do its job 90 days from now when they haven't for 12 months? Well, the fact that for tw- you're right. About, I told you I agree with you, the criticism for 12 months. But here's the thing. This is the first time they have actually gotten together and said enough is enough. They didn't do it for 12 months. They have now. I would imagine 90 days from now, those who voted for this will say, let's do this. Let's end these powers. Why don't, why don't you call me in 90? Why don't you call me in 90 days? And I would I would wager a good bet that absolutely nothing will change. The legislature will not have voted on any such sort of a resolution. And the only things that may have changed in our lives are things that Governor DeWine and his criminal organization over there do on their own behalf, which is what they've been doing for 12 months. Well, here's what I would ask you to do. Here's, here's what I would ask you to do. The power. Here's what I would ask you to do as a representative in that body. 
I would ask you to ensure that that is not the case, that 90 days from now, if nothing happens, I want you, Representative Nino Vitale, sponsor the resolution to stop the governor's unconstitutional orders. Each and every nobody, one of those things from mass mandates to church restrictions. Show me so one rep who's tried harder for 12 months. One no, I didn't say you had No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing you. I'm saying that if in 90 days nobody uh, um, submits a resolution or proposes a resolution to end these orders, why wouldn't Nino Vitale do that? Get the ball rolling. Would you do that? Uh, we've tried. We don't have any support. Well, you, There's like four of us. You haven't, tried four, under, you haven't tried with SB 22 being a law now. It will be the law and you will have power. Yeah. And it, that's what I, and and that's I, don't what think I want it makes you and any our difference. fellow elected representatives to do. DeWine will tie it up in court for years and nothing will happen. All right. Representative Vitale, I know, like I said, this is kind of a tough thing. You've been the biggest critic of Mike DeWine, and I've saluted you for that. But now you're the biggest critic of the one thing we've done against Mike DeWine, and I don't know where to go from there. But hopefully in 90 days we see some action. And I thank you so much for coming on to discuss it with us. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. There you go. That's Representative Nino Vitale. He has been so outspoken and critical of Mike DeWine's orders. Uh, one would think that he would be one of the leaders of trying to stop Mike DeWine at every turn. And here we are. You want to react? I'll take your calls at 216-901-0945 on The Authority. Okay, 956. Um, there's a quote from... House Majority Floor Leader Bill Seitz, who's a Cincinnati uh, Republican, who said that, as Representative Vitale just declared emphatically, that SB 22 is not perfect. But Bill Seitz said uh, lawmakers need to change it down the line to allow authorities to isolate someone who uh, comes into Ohio from a pandemic hotspot while waiting for them to be diagnosed. But such changes can be made, and they should not obfuscate the principal purpose for which we passed Senate Bill 22, which was to restore an element of checks and balances. And that's right. So in other words, the critics of SB 22 saying it's going to create all kinds of health emergencies here, this can be tweaked to stop certain situations that are hypothetical in nature. But overall, the the legislature needs to have a say in anything that is going to impact commerce in the state of Ohio. The economy, as I said before, we'll go down the list, you know, from businesses to religion or to churches to schools uh, and so forth. The, the representatives, the legislators need to have a say. We do not function as a monarchy in the state of Ohio with one king making all the decisions and everybody else just sitting there and saying, okay, we'll do what you say, Mike. The people have a say now, and they didn't have it before. Is this bill perfect? No. But we cannot let uh, you know perfect be the enemy of the good. I always think I say that backwards. But we cannot let perfect be the enemy of the good. This is a good bill. It's not a perfect bill. Kate is in uh, Rootstown. Hey, Kate, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, Hi, I just wanted to say, um, you know, obviously I, I agree with you where you stand on HB 22 and I'm very glad this gentleman is not my congressman. Um, as a conservative, right now we are in the position where we have to use our voice any way possible that we can, whether it has a huge impact or a very small impact. Um, this is a step in the right direction for Ohio. Right. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I just I don't understand as a conservative how he can um, not back at least 
one step in the right direction. I, I just, it, it baffles me. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I can understand his frustration if this bill was worded in such a way that SB 22 is the end game. That's it. Now that we've passed this, we're done. Uh, we win and, 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 and we're happy. No, we shouldn't be happy because this isn't going to stop future, uh, governors from doing similar things without some pretty cumbersome steps in order to stop him. I would like it to be better, but I don't think this is Excuse me, I don't think this is the end game. I think those who passed this and then who voted to override the veto of this understand that what you just said is true. This is a first step, or it's a big step in the right direction, and it's the first of many steps to come to limit that overreaching power of the executive. Absolutely. We need to, um, both on state and federal level, we need to start chipping away, um, you know, at, you know, our congressmen and women and slowly you know, getting little wins, little wins, and it will add up because we're in a tough spot right now from, uh, you know, executive and legislative branches. So, No um, question about it. Kate, you make great points. Thanks for the call. I appreciate that. And by the way, it should tell you something. By the way, it should tell you something. That Governor DeWine's support came from almost exclusively who? The Democrat Party. The Democrats in the General Assembly voted in favor of DeWine. They voted to not override, first to not pass the bill, and then not to override his veto. Governor Mike DeWine is doing a great job of governing if you are a liberal Democrat who thinks that big government is the answer to everything. All right, thanks so much for the call. Thanks to uh, Representative Italia. Let's get news now. Dr. Piper next, AM 14.